Chapter Seven of A Book of English Martyrs. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. A Book of English Martyrs by E. M. Wilmot Buxton. Chapter Seven. Increase in Persecution, fifteen seventy-eight to fifteen eighty-five lord jesus i am not worthy to suffer these things for thee much less to receive those awards which thou hast promised to such as confess thee prayer of blessed thomas sherwood the first of our seminary priests had been martyred in the year fifteen seventy seven a victim to the panic still reigning in the breasts of protestants as a consequence of the combined terrors of the bull of excommunication the various plots to free the imprisoned mary of scotland and the establishment of seminaries abroad for the training of missionaries in the years that immediately followed we can note very clearly an increase in persecution accompanied by a no less increase in missionary zeal and self-sacrificing devotion we have seen that an early act of elizabeth's reign had declared that any person not resorting to his parish church on sundays and holy days was to forfeit twelvepence a much larger sum then than now for the first twelve years of the reign this had been paid by many of the catholic gentry though with scowls in order to escape the charge of recusancy while they consoled themselves by getting mass said in their private houses as often as a priest passed by their way the first fruit of the excommunication however was an act declaring it penal under pain of death for any priest to exercise his functions in england in absolving or reconciling or for any layperson to receive the same at his hands this as we saw was the crime for which blessed cuthbert payne suffered in the next year fifteen seventy two the terrible massacre of st bartholomew in france roused a fresh outburst of fury against the innocent catholics of england no actual victims presented themselves however till some few years later when the ministers of elizabeth and the queen herself determined to turn for a while from questions of foreign policy and royal engagements to settle once and for all the matter of those obstinate recusants the method of procedure was a curious one the queen as we all know was fond of making royal progresses exceedingly inconvenient and expensive matters for those who had to entertain her on the route but by means of making the impression upon her subjects which was not to be neglected in july fifteen seventy eight she set out on a progress through the east of england and was entertained at euston hall near tetford by a gentleman named rookwood who was lately married and was but just come of age next day when she was about to depart her host advanced to kiss her hand upon which the lord chamberlain suddenly began to rail upon him as a recusant unfit to see or touch the sacred person of his sovereign speechless with astonishment the young man had nothing to answer and within a short time found himself a prisoner in norwich castle a week later the queen stayed at brockenash near norwich the estate of thomas townsend whose wife the lady elizabeth style had refused to conform even though her husband had submitted 
a fairly large party of neighboring gentry had come to pay their respects to the queen and these were sacrificed to her spite against her hostess nine of these unsuspecting gentlemen were arrested and thrown into jail at norwich as she approached the city itself elizabeth was met by mr downes lord of the manor of earlham who presented her with a pair of gold spurs and some verses but it was whispered in her ear that he too had refused to attend church and so this gallant with the rest was taken back to norwich as a prisoner no wonder that a royal progress became a matter of dread and that the temper of the queen was reflected in the conduct of a host of spies and informers who now began to infest the country for the purpose of recusant hunting and priest-baiting opportunities for this latter form of sport became more common after fifteen seventy nine when a new band of zealous missionaries drawn from the english college at rome joined the constant stream of seminary priests from Douay, and when also the prejudices of protestants had been further roused by an attempt made by certain adventurers with the approbation of the pope to rouse a rebellion against elizabeth in ireland this vain enterprise gave walsingham now coming more and more to the front as the queen's chief minister a fine excuse for stirring up a new spirit of hatred against the catholics who themselves scarcely knew of the existence of the plot there was big talk of a papal league to crush english protestantism though no one knew better than walsingham that such a thing was utterly impracticable this was quite sufficient to gain popular approval for an act that now imposed on recusants a ruinous fine of twenty pounds a month that made reconciliation with the church high treason and the keeping of a catholic tutor an illegal act so far there was no law under which men could be executed merely because they were missionary priests and so the process of conversion itself had to be twisted into an act of treason against the queen's supremacy before such persons could be condemned after fifteen eighty five as we shall see the acceptance of orders from the pope that is the very fact of being a priest became in itself an excuse for a traitor's death meantime in the february of fifteen seventy eight tyburn tree had claimed two more victims within a single week blessed john nelson a yorkshire man had seen during his lifetime of forty-four years the whole progress of the great schism and was wont to declare emphatically that england would never return to the catholic faith till her earth had been drenched with the blood of martyrs he seemed indeed to have foreseen long beforehand that he himself would die for his religion he went to Dowey in fifteen seventy three was ordained three years later and possibly about that time was admitted into the jesuit order in that same year he returned to labor for the souls of his fellow countrymen in this land we know little of his work save that he was probably the priest who regardless of his own safety went to the deathbed of an anchoress who had been living for years in a tiny enclosed space in london and had become a kind of spectacle to the people of that district although living the life of a religious 
she seems to have practically given up the faith and never to have made any attempt to obtain the sacraments but when she was dying we read in the Dowie records that one of ours rather than allow a soul so religious in life to pass away without the sacraments disguised himself so that he should not be at once recognized as a priest and then boldly entering the place bade the bystanders withdraw a little and as if he were engaged in some other business with her reconciled her to the church and that done she expired a year after his arrival he was asked to exercise a person possessed of an evil spirit and it is said that as he departed the evil spirit threatened him that he should be arrested very shortly and put to death probably some bystander gave information concerning him and on the following sunday he was seized and thrown into newgate the commissioners could find no definite charge against him and so were bent on getting him to say something that could be construed into treason when he refused to take the oath of supremacy they asked him what he thought of the religion then practiced in england he replied that it was schismatical and heretical is the queen then a schismatic and a heretic they asked knowing that if he said yes he could be condemned as a traitor nelson knew this as well as they did and for a moment he hesitated considering if the answer could be evaded then he replied calmly if she be the setter forth and defender of this religion now practised in england then is she a schismatic and a heretic condemned to await execution in a filthy underground dungeon blessed john nelson passed the intervening time in a state of extraordinary peace and joy indeed when his two brothers now also priests in the english mission came to take leave of him it was found that they were in more need of consolation than himself on the scaffold he said to the onlookers i beg you to bear me witness that i die in the unity of the catholic church and for that unity do now most willingly suffer my blood to be shed and i earnestly beseech of god through his infinite mercy to make you all true catholic men and both to live and die in the unity of the roman catholic faith away with thee and thy catholic romish faith cried the crowd but when the fatal cart was withdrawn and the brave martyr was swinging from the beam many voices were heard to say lord receive his soul four days later a young layman of twenty-seven years thomas sherwood by name earned his martyr's crown he was the nephew of mr francis ingram in whose house blessed cuthbert maine was seized and who had suffered many things for the faith in his boyhood he had seen his parents driven from one place to another in order to avoid the penalties for not attending church and finally they had settled in london where they hoped to escape notice by living in the strictest retirement about this time thomas had obtained his parents leave to visit Dowie and consult the fathers there as to his vocation for the priesthood 
as he knew very little latin a long course of study would be necessary for him and he returned therefore to london to make arrangements with his father for the necessary expenses he had almost completed the business and was eagerly looking forward to his return to Dowie, when he happened to meet one morning in chancery lane a youth who looked hard at him with a peculiar expression and then hastened away his face seemed familiar and sherwood presently recognized him as the son of a widow lady tregonwell at whose london house he had frequently visited since the sacraments were administered there as often as it was safe to do so by a certain father's stamp whose mass he had probably served the son of this lady george martin by name was utterly opposed to the faith and is thought to have conceived an implacable hatred against thomas sherwood because by means of him mass had been said in his mother's house he was mean-spirited enough therefore to betray her friend and as blessed thomas was walking unconscious of danger through the london streets he was seized on the mere suspicion of being a papist and brought before the dreaded mr justice fleetwood this man had a perfect genius for provoking replies that could be turned and twisted into treason and in the gentle and simple-hearted young sherwood he found an easy victim asked what he thought of the bull of excommunication and whether if she were excommunicated elizabeth could be the lawful queen he replied ingeniously that he knew nothing of the bull but if the pope had actually excommunicated her he did not see how she could be lawful queen this was enough to secure his own condemnation for high treason but it did not satisfy his persecutors they hoped to get the names of other catholics through him and hence he was sent to the tower and was the first of our martyrs whom we know for certain to have been racked moreover the letters of his committal expressly state that if the said sherwood will not willingly confess such things as should be demanded of him he is then to be committed to the dungeon among the rats this gruesome spot is described as a cell below high water mark and totally dark as the tide flowed innumerable rats which infest the muddy banks of the thames were driven through the orifices of the walls into the dungeon the alarm excited by the eruption of these loathsome creatures in the dark was the least part of the torture which the unfortunate captives had to undergo instances are related where the flesh has been torn from the arms and legs of prisoners during sleep even this awful treatment did not break the spirit of this brave youth and they then had recourse to the torture of the rack in order that overcome by pain he might confess where he had heard mass to the intent that any he might name might be punished but he was brave beyond his years no racking no cross-examination could make him betray anyone then having lost the use of his limbs through racking he was thrown again naked and helpless into that awful cell a sinister story goes that knowing what kind of fare the tower provided for penniless prisoners william roper son-in-law of blessed thomas moore sent money 
to sherwood's jailer in order to buy food for his prisoner this was returned on the plea that the lieutenant would not allow the youth to have the benefit of any alms all he could effect was that he would expend sixpence on a bale of straw upon which his starving prisoner might lie in that filthy dungeon once again we can but marvel at the pluck and spirit shown under such awful conditions truly said thomas Akempis, of such souls as blessed thomas sherwood he rides at ease who is carried by the grace of god his brother says after his first racking in the tower being visited by a catholic gentlewoman he showed himself of that joyful and comfortable spirit as she was astonished thereat as also his keeper with compassion giving him warning that he was to be racked again he was so little moved thereat as merrily and with a cheerful countenance to say these words i am very little and you are very tall you may hide me in your great hose and so they shall not find me which the keeper did afterwards report to divers much marvelling at his great fortitude and courage the story makes us wonder whether such heroism left the hearts of those grim warders utterly untouched pity they certainly felt and perhaps all unknown to history the sacred heart of jesus rewarded them for that spark of compassion and gave them in some cases at least the grace of conversion before their death on the feast of the purification this little one of god was condemned finally to a traitor's death there could not have been much left of the brave young martyr when he was dragged from the tower to tyburn and the end in all its horrid details must have come as a blessed relief to one who throughout his torture had cried continually lord jesus i am not worthy to suffer these things for thee much less to receive those rewards which thou hast promised to such as confess thee end of chapter seven recording by john brandon